0: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
1: Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joy ride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
0: Oh, God. Jesus Christ. Oh, s- Too close.
1: No, she's under me. Now I'm over her. Get out of here. Get out of here. Oh, this never gets old. <laughs> Welcome to Oddball. That's right, I'm Al Hassan. That right there is Charlotte Wilder. Back to the old Genie Buzz basketball background. And we've got a hell of a show for you today. Uh, That's right. A little bit later, we're going to be trudging the gutter that is NBA Reddit to find us a topic to inspire us. But right now, Charlotte, the entire basketball world is talking about the in-depth expose article feature that Ramona Shelburne wrote for ESPN.com about what's happening behind the scenes with James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers, where the friction lies, how this all came to be a friction situation. Charlotte, what was the thing that jumped out at you the most in that article?
0: Um, probably the fact. First of all, I would like to thank James Harden because this is still the off season, which is why we're gonna have to go to NBA Reddit. Uh,
1: hold but. on, hold on. Let me. I'm gonna stop you right there. Technically, James Harden ain't do nothing new. This time, we gotta thank Ramona. Ramona's the one who who gave us this little yes. bridge right here because this is all based on past events. This is not breaking news. So oh, no, no, no! I know. I'm, I'm grateful. I, I, let, me, I, let me get on a soapbox for a second. Like, this is what journalism looks like. It's not so-and-so got traded. Like, that's stuff you would have found out anyway when you watch the game and you saw, hey, when did he get there? This is actual journalism reporting news breaking where you're going in, you're finding the why, you're talking to people behind the scenes, you're getting motivations, you're getting stories that we had never heard or known of. So, thank you, Ramona, for being an actual journalist. Thank you, Ramona.
0: Always. Thank you, Ramona. Just thank you, Ramona in general. Um, Also, though, thank you, James Harden, for being a little petty. I mean, I think to me, I mean, the thing that surprised me was that he picked up or or that alleged, you know, the Sixers are saying they were surprised that Harden picked up his option, that they were they were waiting and they were going to make an offer. And he got impatient and felt hurt and was you know all egoy about it and then demanded a trade I mean is that did that surprise you
1: So sometimes there are parts of a story that is well reported that you can kind of tell the angle of the source yes. well right so in this in that specific case I mean I would say the overall article is very sixers friendly. Right In that particular case, the case of, hey, he picked the option up and we didn't even expect it. We didn't know what was going on. I'm calling a little BS on the Sixers here. And here's why. Because the whole thing was James Harden was calling Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey wasn't responding because he was afraid of getting hit with tampering charges. Uh, based on basically what happened to them the year before, where they had been shown that they had been speaking to free agents before the beginning of the moratorium, and so they were illegal contact, and they got docked second-round picks as a result. I'm calling the horse hockey a little bit because you're not allowed to negotiate. That doesn't mean I can't say happy birthday. That doesn't mean I can't. To my player, by the way, my player who's on my roster, who has not opted out yet, I'm allowed to say, "Hey, are you coming into the gym? You want to get some shots up?" Uh, I'm allowed to contact him, and if it's specific, if he's like, "Yo, I'm trying to have small talk," and he's specifically asking me about contractual things, I'm allowed to tell him, "James, I can't have that conversation with you right now." As you know, we've been in trouble for this in the past.
0: So, but you don't have to ghost him completely.
1: Yeah, that's that. That's that's my thing. So that's kind of the explanation as to why they didn't get back to him. And that was the impetus, him being ghosted, was the impetus of him basically saying, okay, I'm opting in, trade me out of here.
0: I mean, I think Ramona does, she did a great job of of putting in things that we can't fully know in terms of motivation and saying, like, who knows? It could be that Harden, it could be an ego thing. It could be an ego thing for Maury. It right. could also be... I mean, were you surprised at all that the this sort of partying in Miami and that's that what seemed to me like a small film thing right. in a film session where there was a little bit of a dust up. Did, did, that surprise you that it's being, I feel like I've seen so many headlines pulling it and being like partying film sessions, but problem for Sixers, like how much, how much do you think that was actually a factor and how much do you think that was something the Sixers could point to and be like, he was difficult. here?
1: So, so this is what I would say. It is not uncommon for NBA players in specific cities, particularly when the calendar allows, to have days off and to not travel with the team as a result. I told a story on NBA Radio uh, yesterday about when I worked for the Suns, and even after I worked for the Suns, you know, when as a media member, there's the exit to the loading dock where the valet parking is for all the pl- home players, and then that's where the buses are for the road team. And I can't count the number of times walking out after a game... And here are the buses for the teams, and then there's a black SUV or a black Sprinter van waiting. And that van is waiting for one, two, sometimes even three or four players from the visiting team who are not going to accompany the team on the, on the flight to the next destination. They're going to Vegas. They're going to Vegas. They're going to party. They're going to take a PJ to Vegas. They're going to party for the night, and then they're going to meet up with the team tomorrow. And they don't, don't have obviously tomorrow is going to be an off day or whatever. That happens all the time in the NBA. One of the most famous examples is uh, Phil Jackson sending Dennis Rodman to Vegas, basically, like we learned about in the last dance, that, you know, you need to clear his mind. It happens a lot, so that part is not surprising. I would say Harden, more than most star players, definitely takes full advantage of that. So what he's doing isn't rare, but also, like, he's definitely a league leader uh, particularly given the circumstance. The circumstance was they lost to the Heat, they lost to the Celtics, and these are two Eastern Conference rivals, and people feeling like, hey, we're not all on the same page, we gotta get locked in now. And he's like, Yeah, but I got this trip to Miami, I'm not changing it. Right. And that rubbed right. people the wrong way. So that doesn't surprise me at all because again, James like I said, would have been a league leader in that regard. But I don't think it's out of the question, like, whoa, this out-of-control guy going out partying every night. You'd be surprised how many of your favorite players have done or do the same thing.
0: The way Ramona presented it, to felt sort of like death by a thousand cuts in this situation. Yeah. It felt like that, you know, Harden came in expecting one thing. Maybe his ego's a little bruised to begin with, and he's gotten these big offers from the Rockets, from the Nets, and he's like, no, no, I can, I, I still deserve this in his current role, mm-hmm. Um, even though he hasn't, I mean, he's, he's played, he's an amazing player, he's a generational player, but in the playoffs, he didn't really do much, and well, so it seemed, I mean.
1: I, I mean, like, the, he, they, people say he didn't do much in game seven, they wouldn't get to game I mean. seven if he, if it wasn't for him. That massive Game 1 victory, he had a big, uh, I want to say, Game 4 or Game 5. That's
0: not fair of me to say, but I think that, that that's the narrative that's attached to him. That's sure. why that's where my brain goes, because I'm like, oh, well, when it comes to the playoffs, he, he can't get it done, which is probably not totally fair, and maybe that contributed to the way he's feeling, too. Well,
1: I, I think, I mean, again, I think the way he's feeling now is, you called it, death by a thousand cuts. It starts all the way back at the beginning of the season where they say, hey, if we're going to win, we need you to play this way. And he's thinking to himself, wait, I took a pay cut yeah. so that you guys could bring in more talent. Like, I did I did the good guy thing. So now you're asking me to play a style that's not going to produce the gaudy type of statistics or have me in the conversations uh, at this uh, elite level that I'm used to. But I'm doing that because it's all for the purpose of winning. As long as you guys know, I'm still that guy. Right. So I'm playing a role that you're asking me to do, but I'm still that guy. So I expect to be paid like that guy. And so he does all the things, but obviously there's the ups and downs and the bumps and bruises or whatever. And I think Ramona really makes it very clear that there was always that underlying tension of Daryl saying, I don't know if he's worth it anymore. And hard right. knowing that I bet they don't think I'm worth it anymore. But they all kind of let that to the side to kind of, oh, we're going to sacrifice to win, sacrifice to win. And by the end of it, he's expecting to be compensated. It's clear they're not going to compensate him. So he says, I don't want to be here anymore.
0: You think that if that had been more explicit, because it doesn't sound like it was, it doesn't. And maybe, maybe it was, maybe, I mean, maybe there's a conversation where they made it more understood, but it felt to me like this simmering thing, note, this simmering mm-hmm. element element elephant oh. in the room that nobody talked about. And then all of a sudden this grows into this massive resentment. Th- Do you think it could have made any difference if they had been more upfront with in communication with each
1: other well first of all do you think the elephant was like simmering as in i'm mad or simmering like it's in a big cauldron i'm like it's "Ah!" in
0: a big tub it's in a big tub it's like a lobster pot for elephants
1: what do you think elephant tastes like
0: ew bad a little tough i mean no no
1: (laughs) you'd remember it though if you if you had it i would yeah it never forgets it stays in you. oh my god yeah um uh, so here here's here's, here's what i want to do here's what I'd, I'd say yes communication is always key and by the way that's been a criticism throughout daryl Morey's career that he's not great at communication that he's kind of yeah, well, communication apparently. with his players right Right. Uh, and there have been multiple coaches and multiple players who have complained about that. Like, Daryl's kind of like, oh, I don't, that's not me, I'm the front office guy. And that's not really how the job works. You kind of have to be hands-on, particularly with your star players. Like, they're not about that, hey, I couldn't get back to you, life, because I don't want to get caught for tampering. Look, they want to do an investigation and, and clean out my phone and see all my communication with you was, I can't talk about this right now? They can do that, but I'm not right, going to be right. like, well, the league is sad, so I'm never going to call you again until July 1, particularly because he's still under contract. Because until he opts out, he's still under contract. He's not a free agent. It's not tampering. It would be like saying, I couldn't talk to Joel Embiid because I don't want to hit with... No, he's not. he's not a free agent yet. So that's kind of horse hockey. On the other side of the equation, though, Harden clearly is temperamental and emotional, and the number one example that I'm surprised everyone isn't running with it. This is insane. He sacrifices. He's playing well. The Sixers are winning. He's not named as an All Star. Oh, gets that ups- was.
0: This is insane. He
1: gets upset because he feels like again I'm still that guy up here, but because of what you guys have asked me to do now, my standing in the league has has diminished greatly. A guy who's a 10-time consecutive All-Star uh, selection. Typically, we've seen it, like this thing is on autoplay until like you're done, right. until you're washed. So that hurt his feelings. But as there is always every year, there was an injury. So Adam Silver picks up the phone and says, James Harden, You're the injury replacement. You're the first person we called. Here's an all-star slot for you. We just need a commitment. You're free because sometimes guys are like, yo, I'm going, I'm getting married all-star weekend or whatever, and they they just can't make it. So, hey, can you make it? Harden doesn't respond for days. Why? Because he's pouting. They're going to give me an injury replacement. I'm better than that. And by the time he gets his head out of his ass, and says, fine, I'll do it. Guess what? <laughs> the league moved on. They gave the spot to Pascal Siakam. That, to me, is insanity. But it, it gives a window. A window into, like, A, where his ego is or was. And B, oh, no wonder. If you're dealing with that kind of that kind of self-image, where I am, the idea of responding to the commissioner of the league to accept an all-star birth is beneath me. Like it's some chick you talk to and like, oh no, she, she didn't say thank you after I held the door. I'm not hitting her back in for five days and then I'll be like, okay, I guess we could go out again. Let's, no, dude, you, this league has been around for 75 plus years. It's going to be around for 75 more. None of us matter. Not you, not me, not Charlotte. None of us matter. So the idea that his feelings would be that hurt, that kind of is just I cannot imagine what the day to day is in terms of trying to manage that.
0: Totally. And I think that that anecdote is so crucial to the story. Right. Because then when when Maury isn't responding It's sort of like, well, what got him to the point I've had? You know, I feel like everybody says friends where it's like fool me once, fool me 15 times. You're like at a certain point, you're like, I actually just can't respond to you because like it's not going to get me anywhere, which is not the same thing as being in the NBA and dealing with superstars. But you can sort of see how someone could get pushed there, even if that is the Sixers line. So I don't know. I mean, I do. What happens now? Like what happens?
1: I mean, I think the problem is, again, this would all be solved with more communication. Again, yeah. Ramona confirmed pretty much what we all suspected when we talk about on this show. Harden's comments in China were directly linked to the report that came out less than 48 hours earlier that said that Darren Moore was like, you know what, we're not trading. Yeah. This all gets solved by communication. If you're in regular communication with your player, with your player's representation, and you have to be, right? A lot of these things get solved. They get fixed. Not all of them. Sometimes it's irreparable. Look, uh, Tom Thibodeau was in constant communication with Jimmy Butler in Minnesota. But Jimmy had made his mind up like, I don't want to be here. If you're not going to pay me this amount, but you're going to pay him. You're going to pay him. Guess what? I don't want to be here. Right? So even though Tibbs had been in communication with him all summer long, it didn't matter. Like Jimmy had made his mind up. This is a case where it feels like as much as it's high maintenance and it's like, I don't want to do this. That's the job, my man. You have to do this part of it. If for no other reason, not because, oh, we're going to retain him and I want to keep him forever, so I have to do this. But even if I'm trying to divest myself, I still have to do this part until he's out the door. And Daryl Morey failed in that regard, I think. And that's to me, is one of the things, even though Ramona says in the story, For the time being, Embiid is happy with how everything is being handled. Like, that's all well and good because it's August or September. October, November, December, when things aren't working and we haven't fixed these issues, that becomes an issue, I think. That becomes a bigger problem. And people have reserved the right to change their mind. Like, yeah, I didn't mind it in the summer, but now it's fucking with my season. With my quest for a championship. Well, my quest for another MVP trophy. And when that happens, I love you, but I don't love you as much as I love me. And so. Also,
0: you skip my wedding.
1: Yeah. Well. I'm. Wait, did Daryl skip the wedding too?
0: Embiid's wedding?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, God. I have to do another investigation. Yep.
1: Get back on the streets. Okay. Go. No more talking to deli owners, by the way. Get, find some actual sources. Be like okay. Mona Shelburne, damn it. More oddball next. Oh, wow.
0: All right, I mean, you might know what time it is, you might not know what time it is, but it is time for the game where we read each other things from NBA Reddit and talk about them and make up stuff No, based and on watch that. the
1: other person react. You forgot the most important part of the segment, Charlotte! See, well, that's why you're here. Uh, I have one for you. Are you ready? Yes.
0: Okay. If you could fuse any two players in NBA history... To try and create the perfect player, who would they be?
1: If I could fuse two players, oh, the perfect player, this is easy. Like, LeBron and Jordan, right? Game over. <laughs> like, right? no more arguments. No more ar- Rich Paul, Stephen A. Smith, everybody, shut up. I got an answer for you. How about LeBron Jordan? I'm the best player in the world.
0: Or Michael James.
1: Michael. J- we already had a. We had two Michael James who played in the NBA already.
0: Mikey Jimmy?
1: No, 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 no. No, LeBron Jordan. LeBron. Actually, the the real name was LeBryant Nash. Remember him? He played for uh, Oklahoma State back in the day. And I was like, wow, it's like they took Kobe, LeBron, and Steve Nash and made one player, and they called him LeBriant Nash. But no, LeBron Jordan. This is easy. Like, there's no other answer because if you take. Or I guess the other... Oh, you know what? I stand corrected. What? Stephen O'Neal.
0: Okay, this is why I want... The person then goes on to say, the one obvious one for me is Shaq and Steph Curry.
1: Yeah. Now, Now that I think about it, because if I had the inside dominance of Shaq and the outside dominance... Like, if you had to pick up Shaq 40 feet up, because he's gonna pull right, like he's gonna pull from mean, forty feet. That's so dangerous, and he can dribble. By the way, Shaq could already dribble really well for a big guy, but like now you give him Steph Curry handles. Now he's getting around everybody, and then he gets to the paint and he dunks on everybody. He's great in the post. He's great on the block. He's great with floaters and mid range and all this stuff. He can shoot threes. I don't know, man. Maybe, is it LeBron Jordan well, or or is it, is it Shaquille Curry?
0: Well, here's a question. This is how you decide it. I mean. Would LeBron Jordan or Shaquille Curry, who would win in that one-on-one matchup?
1: Well, in a one-on-one, it would be Shaquille Curry because just the size. The size is too overwhelming. But So is that the answer? But, no, but I think LeBron, because here's the deal. Shaquille Curry still can't guard anybody. I mean, they can kind of <laughs> guard, like, guys on the inside. They'll do their best on the perimeter. I'm not saying that Shaq was a bad defensive player. I'm not saying Steph is a bad defensive player. But I'm saying neither of them are elite defensive players, right? Whereas LeBron Jordan, that guy's an elite defender. He's got the size of yeah. LeBron, which allows him to guard up, and he's got the feline quickness of, of MJ, so he, he can you know move laterally very quickly. He's very explosive, which, by the way, LeBron is as well. Like, I, 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 just, I still think LeBron Jordan is a better all-round player, but Shaquille Curry, man, that, that, let, let me put it this way. You're going to have some headaches. Now, let me ask you, Charlotte, yes. if you had to go... To a game, and I gave you two tickets. One game is to go watch Shaquille Curry, and one is to watch LeBron Jordan. Which guy are you watching?
0: Oh my God, I think I think LeBron Jordan. I think LeBron Jordan because I that debate is so ingrained in my head that I'd be like, okay, let's see what because no one's like, who's better, Shaq or Steph? I don't think is that you well, know it's MJ LeBron. Yeah, no, no. I would want. I would wanna see that. I would wanna see like, okay, when you take the two guys that people talk about the most as being maybe the greatest or maybe the other one's the greatest or whatever you wanna do with that stupid argument, well, let's see what they do together. I would also like to see what that personality would be like. I would like to see what LeBron Jordan, how that person acts as a human being because I I can't even imagine how you begin to fuse those two people.
1: Well, see, here's the deal, for me, while I think LeBron Jordan is still the better player, I think Shaquille Curry is just way better entertainment. This is what I'd want to watch, right? That's, and so that's true. if I were to go, I was like, you gave me the option. Now I'm watching Shaquille Curry devastate people on the inside and then humble them and put them in morbid fear on the outside. That's what I would do. But, you know, try okay. to get to LeBron. LeBron Jordan sounds like he'd be boring. He'd be, like, I mean, like, exciting to play, but like a boring uh... personality. Shaquille Curry? Well, hold on. Shaquille Curry. Because I mean, Shaq is carrying I don't the think personality so. I mean, load on that one, right? Like, we're not looking for for, for a step. But now here, here's the crazy thing. What? Which documentary would you want to watch more? Shaquille Curry oh. or LeBron Jordan? Is LeBron it would you Jordan. rather watch More Than A Last Dance, or would you rather watch Shaqton in an underdog?
0: I want to see. I want to see Michael Jordan's pettiness combined with LeBron's corniness. Oh,
1: I thought you were going to say combined with <gasps> LeBron's passive aggressiveness.
0: Yeah, well, same, I mean, it all goes hand in hand. I think that would be an absolute nightmare of a person, and I would like to see those interviews.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you. I think the passive aggression combined with the pettiness makes for a better thing. I mean, here's, here's the one thing where Shaq and Steph Curry have something in common— completely horseshit documentaries. Like, yeah. And then, against all odds, I succeed. Like, against all odds? What are you talking about? You're three hundred 300 pounds with a 40-inch vertical. You're the son of a pro athlete who lives as a millionaire's life all around NBA. What are you guys talking about? Like, for sure, I'd rather just have, like, someone... Reveal to me how much they hated every single person that they played with or, like, were Absolutely. married to or, or sired or whatever. I'd rather have that than, than that shit.
0: I want every single receipt. I also think Shaquille Curry is definitely the name choice because Steph O'Neal sounds like someone I went to high school with in Boston.
1: Was she a redhead?
0: Yeah, probably.
1: Yeah. That was... Shout out Brian Scalabrini. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm, I'm imagining Brian Scalabrini with like a long wig.
0: I know you but, are. That's but I same, know.
1: Same voice and same face and everything. Even you know, like same facial scruff, Steph O'Neill. Tony ponytail. I gotta tell you. That's gonna do it for <laughs> that segment where we read things off of NBA Reddit and watch the other person react. That's how you do it.
0: Okay, all right, cool.
1: That's all the oddball we have for you today. Thanks for watching. Are we having fun yet? Wasn't that a Miller Lite commercial?